0: We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk Okay, I'm sounding good, Dave? (laughs) Okay, right. Oh, it's lovely to see you. I really feel kind of cosy with you guys curled round like that. It's like we're, we're all in a little blanket together. It sounds a little bit echoey. Do you want me to lift it up a bit? If I go here? Okay. All right. Uh, I, I love having our youth plus right in front of us. I can look right in your eyes. Do you feel a little bit hemmed in by everyone else now, all kind of looking at you? Yeah? So we're not all just looking at these people right here, right now. It's like you're sent a stage in a stadium. Okay, so I want to talk about at the pleasure of the king. When I was at school, when most guys in my year was doing, were doing design and technology and things like that, um, I did cooking. Um, it was my half GCSE, and I got a C in it, which I have no idea how I managed that. Um, I'm, I'm not really the most expert at cooking. Um, in fact, there was one day that I had to boil the water in a pan ready to put an egg in or something like that. And I kept on checking over while I was cutting out the vegetables. I thought, no, no bubbles yet. Kept on cutting, kept on cutting, checked again, no bubbles yet. And I thought, about, you know what, that's been on the stove for about 10 minutes and there's still no bubbles. I looked over and I realised I'm not putting water in. (laughs) So I thought, oh, I better put some water in. And you think, what's going to happen? (laughs) It was was like I was a magician. You couldn't see me. The steam had just taken over. So I did what a wise person would do. I didn't want to bring attention to myself. So I thought, let me just leave that in the sink just to cool down. So a few minutes later, I came back, filled it up with water, put it on the side, no one's seen, put the gas on and looked back in the sink to see the remains of a plastic chopping board that I'd placed it on. Now I did what any person of integrity, and any Christian would do. I took that chopping board and put it back on the bottom of the pile. <laughs> but I like to think that I left my mark on that, on that class in some ways. And um, I think there's something innate in all of us as humans that we, we want to leave a mark. We want to to scribe our names in a wall. We want something to outlast us. We we want to have an impact. Maybe you want to have a million followers on your Instagram account. Maybe you want to um, you want to leave the world with something. Some people choose to do that in their death. They try to make a statement. These are some of the more elaborate tombstones that I came across. If you think that one's impressive, what about that one? What would be on your tombstone? What would you want to leave behind? would that be the kind of mark that you would want to to make the impact that you'd want to make? Maybe you're trying to leave a mark but you don't really want to leave the armchair to do that and you want to to make a change and perhaps just that one more status like could actually change the world. No one wants to leave this world without any ripples. We want our lives to matter for something. How much more do you think that is for us who know the God of all creation? A God that has told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Or has talked about wanting to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God like water the seas. And he wants to do that through us. Now, we don't measure the impact in the same way as those that know God. We're not trying to be those that abolish slavery or, or do all these massive glamorous things. That's not how God measures things. It's not about that fame. But... um. If anyone's read C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce, there's a part in chapter 12 where uh, the, whole, the whole idea of this, this, this story is coming across heaven. So people, a, a busload of people were taken from hell up to heaven, heaven's gates, to kind of see what was going on. And there's one point where the, the story is about this person that has, is glowing, shining, that is walking towards heaven and is being received by this procession of angels and saints that are celebrating, and there's bands and trumpets and everything going on. And the, the character that we're, we're following in the story said, oh, that must be someone really important. And the guide says, yes, it is someone really important. W- was she famous? Not on earth. She lived at home on her own. But she lived her life for God, and that's how that, that she's being celebrated she made an impact, but no one ever knew her name. So God wants to make us, make an impact through us.
1: So. Sometimes I wish I could boldly go where no man's gone before, but I'll probably stay in Aurora. Got
0: the sound on. Is it there? Try again.
1: Sometimes I wish I could boldly go where no man's gone before. But I'll probably stay in Aurora.
0: I'd like to boldly go where no man's gone before, but i will probably just stay in the hometown that I've grown up in. So what stops us making making an impact? What is it that, that makes us hesitate? We've got this desire to leave a mark, but so often we don't do it. Well, my theory is, it's the cost. And Jesus was very clear that there was a cost. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Okay, that's that's not a nice little day out. Be willing to die. Take up your cross and follow me. It says in John 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's a huge cost. Let's look at that in a little bit more detail. Here's some phrases that, that I've been exploring recently. The cost is to serve at his pleasure, not at my convenience. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that when I have an opportunity to serve, I consult my saviour before I consult my schedule. Is that convenient for me? Does it suit me? Is it what I fancy doing? No, I first ask, what does he want? This is part of the cost we're talking about. I count on my source before I count my resource. Have I got enough time? Have I got enough energy? Have I got enough love? Let me see what I've got in my store. No. I start by saying, God, you are my supplier of everything I could possibly need. What are you equipping me with? It's a very different way of approaching. Serving at his pleasure means I'm directed by him, which sometimes means I'm directed to do things that seem daft. For example, my parents had met Nigel and Tia maybe twice before they invited them to come and live with them for four months. That's daft. And those that know Nigel really understand how daft that is. So sometimes I'm led to do daft things. Sometimes I'm led not to do decent things. But it seems like the right thing to do. It seems good, but yet... I don't feel I'm meant to be doing that. Jesus lived his life doing only what the Father had given him to do. Sometimes that meant walking away from sick people that he could have healed because he only did what the Father wanted. He served at the pleasure of the King. We serve in the need, not in my craft. By craft, it's our interest, our expertise, our talents, our preference. You heard it earlier from Richard Hilton when he's up here doing the actions, he's saying, it's not really my craft, but I'm giving to him. There was a need for an action. He got up and did an action. Whether it helped or not, that's a completely different thing. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm serving him... I'm doing it by looking at what is the need that you're revealing to me and how do I respond to that? It might be that you don't have what is needed directly to respond to a need, but you take it on to the point of, I'm going to find a way to make sure that need's met. And that's, when we're talking about family, that's what we mean. Family, the burden stays with you. The desire stays with you, even if it's not something you directly are able to do. For instance, if there was a young person that that needed somewhere to live, okay, I wouldn't work in my house, but I'm going to find you someplace. I'm going to talk around to other people. I'm going to draw others into involvement. It means that I focus on meeting the needs of my family, rather than focusing on exercising my gifting, my ministry, or my interest. We had a situation once where um, there was an older gentleman in a wheelchair that that needed to be collected and brought to the meeting. And one guy was was asked, is this something that that you can do? And his response was, it's not really my ministry, I'm more of a teacher. So we, we helped him find a different church, because this is a family, and family responds to the needs We present each other mature in Christ. This is in Colossians 1. So we leave no stone unturned in the way that we love and journey with each other. So presenting each other mature in Christ means when Richard's saying to me, this is what I believe God's given me to do, I don't just say, all right, that's fine, good luck, get on with it. I want to be part of God's equipping of Richard's to do the things that God's called him to do. So I I want to ask questions. I want to understand what God's put in his heart because I might have a role in that. I might be able to play a a piece in the the puzzle. And it means that when I'm asking questions and Richard's not doing the things that he said that God's given him to do, it matters to me. And I've got to say, mate, why is this not being pursued by you right now? What's getting in the way of that? Presenting each other maturity to Christ means that we are seeking resolve with each other at all costs. We raise the concerns with the right people. We don't engage in gossip. We're forgiving and we believe the best in each other, at least until we can work it out by inquiring through love. So am I willing to pay the price? Well, let's give you a little bit more on this. So am I open to hearing from God and what God's saying at any point in time or am I sitting back on the sidelines critiquing the meeting? Oh, if, if, we'd, if we'd sung this song or if we had said it in this way or if Jamie had been better looking, I would have really got what he was saying. I don't want to be just talking about what order we run a meeting when the word that's coming in that meeting is about loving each other, I would much more I'd be much more interested in talking about how I was impacted by the Word of God, how I've pursued that, and how it's changing my life. Am I willing to pray, the, pray pay the price? So am I willing to do prayer and action? Or is it prayer or action? Sometimes we've got to roll up our sleeves as well as as praying. Sometimes it involves babysitting for people to release them, not just praying that they would find time on their own. Is it a God thing or a good thing? Sometimes there's lots of opportunities that we have in front of us. Some of them look really good. Oh, it's, it's... Christian unity or or I'm pursuing a spiritual gift or I'm I'm reaching this person. It can all sound good but is that what God's giving you to do? Are we paying that cost? Am I committing or have I got a fear of missing out? A little FOMO. That's fear of missing out. Just a catch you up on young person vernacular. I don't want to commit to anything because I might be bound to do something out of duty. Well, we never want to be doing something out of duty. But sometimes we make a decision because it's the right thing and our emotions lack, lag behind. But we can trust that God's going to help us in the things that he's given us to do. The way God has called us to live is ridiculously hard. It is ridiculously demanding. Lay down your life. Take up your cross. But Jesus isn't meant to slip into my life just to fill those little gaps, just those little boosters that I need. He comes and he shatters my life into thousands of pieces. But he takes those pieces and he arranges it around himself into something that's beautiful. But I think the price, the prize is worth the cost. Jesus tells of the story of um, a man that's working in the field and he comes across this buried treasure and he buries it again. He runs off and he sells everything he has in order to buy the field. Now anyone on the outside is looking at him thinking, what the heck are you doing? Why are you being so reckless buying buying this land? But he discovered something of incredible value. I'm just going to quickly show you three people that that have discovered a value. Paul. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He himself, he wanted to die. He was ready to go and be with, with Jesus. But he said, as long as I'm on earth, I can be of benefit to you. So therefore, let me give my life to be in a benefit for Christ. Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador. He ended up being murdered by the tribe that he was trying to reach. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. For those of us that was at the leaders weekend, Terry King talked about his diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And it was pretty powerful and emotional for him to describe how he expects his body to decline on him. But he said, as long as I've got breath in my lungs, I'm going to use it for the praising of God. What causes these guys to want to pay the price? They've discovered a treasure in a field for myself, I was thinking even while the songs were going on this morning like I was so lost I was so lost I was lost in a wonderful church I was lost in an amazing family I was lost in being a well-mannered moral young person he came and rescued me from that being my lot in life he came and made himself known to me he came and saved me from what looked like a nice a nice deal, there was another time I was thinking I was at a um, youth event, and we'd just been asked, can everyone just write down think of a friend that doesn't know Jesus and write down what the barrier is for them and we had to stick that, that piece of paper up on the wall and it looked like bricks as they were being we were sticking up all these papers, and I walked along the wall and I read this wall, this wall and I was just so depressed. It was so miserable. So many reasons that people weren't going to know Jesus. And no one said anything, just the band started. And they, they got to this point in the song. It says, And your cross, it testifies in grace. It tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not earthly confidence, it's only by your blood. And it hit me in that moment. He has made a way. He has made a way. And I saw that wall and I thought, that doesn't have the final say. Because he's made a way that every single heart could know him. He has come and rescued every single life. And we could know him. We could, we could boldly approach And I have never experienced joy like I did. I was in a world of my own. I was dancing, I was screaming, I was shouting. The person next to me did not know what was going on. And I absolutely didn't care. Because I'd found a treasure in a field that was worth selling all of my dignity at that moment. I had seen the heart of God's. I've heard this uh, concept of the great reversal. So, Jesus was welcomed in. He was in the Trinity. He was in relationship with God in heaven. And I was isolated because of my sin. Yet, he came down and he hung on a cross and the Father turned his back on him so that I would always be welcomed in. He had the beauty of the praise of God on him. And I was ugly in my sin. And yet, his face was mangled by the time that he died. And I was given his beauty. He was clothed with righteousness, but he hung naked on that cross so that my naked sin would not be the thing that you see when you look at me, but you would see that I am now clothed with his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that I would be regarded as innocent. And he who was due honour took on my punishment, and so I forever would be honoured. But you've heard what Paul said, what Elliot said, what uh, Terry King said, and what I said. But there's a point in the Bible where Jesus says to his disciples... But what about you? Who do you say I am? Turn to the person next to you. A couple of minutes. Who do you say he is? Okay. I wanted to give uh, a couple of guys that were baptised on, uh, on Tuesday a chance to say. So Connor, come, come to the front. Moises. Who do, you, who do you say he is? What happened for you? I mean, for me, what happened is that when Jamie and... Nick and Ella were praying for me. I just felt really, like, peaceful and free. Like, I don't know what to feel. I've never felt God like that, like, touch, touch me like that, so... For me, it was the, uh, just the complete and utter feeling of love and trust and that feeling of, like, returning home. And I see Jesus as, like, a best friend because he saved my life. Thank you, <laughs> price worth paying. And perhaps you've you've not known an experience of God yet. Perhaps you're lost within a church, within a Christian family, within a, a, a moral frame of reference. He wants you to discover the treasure that he is. Dave, come read your scripture for me. So we've got some extracts from... Um, Hebrews 11. So I want to try and paint a picture for you
1: at this point in time. Hebrews 11, starting verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he had no idea where he was going. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. All these people were still living by faith, When they died, they did not receive the things that they were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child And they weren't afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea onto our dry land. But then the Egyptians tried to do so and they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more shall I say? Hmm? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames, and they escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength, and they became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured. They refused to be released so that they may gain an even better Resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. But the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So. Hebrews 11, hearers of
0: the faith, is a very famous bit, but sometimes uh, chapter breaks become a bit of a, a nuisance rather than a blessing, because the actual very next verse links with therefore. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, so who are the witnesses? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. These are the guys that are our witnesses. I think we're in the middle of a stadium right now. And we've got those that are around us, our family our friends, our work colleagues, our school colleagues. There's those that can see us and we can see. But there's also those that are on the other side of death, behind the veil, that are also watching. David and Peter and Paul and Elijah, Jeremiah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Stephen, James, Jim Elliot, Cory Ten Boone, William Wilberforce, Martin Luther, John Wesley, they're all our witnesses right now, watching us, watching us today. They're saying, we ran our race whilst the baton was in our hands. We had moments of heroic faith and moments of villainous doubt, but we ran our race. Now the baton is in your hands. How are you going to run your race? If you zoom in to that pitch, is this what I'm doing with my opportunity? Am I engaging with this moment Or am I staring at my iPhone? Am I binging the latest Netflix series? Am I just passing time with entertaining myself? Am I just pursuing my academic advance or feathering my own nest with more income and more possessions? Am I just going through the motions of serving but a level that doesn't actually cost me? Am I just serving, but I'm not allowing the beauty of who God is to flow out of me? We were made for so much more. We were called to so much more. Dan Moller, a a preacher, says, you know what, I, I don't like asking people how they're doing anymore. Because, I said, life's a grind. Life's a bleep. And he said, no, life's a gift. You've got this one little window to live with the Spirit of God inside you so that you can fulfill everything you were created for, not to have a good life, but to have a God life. And when you see the treasure, his gentleness, his love, his peace, his sacrifice, his forgiveness. I don't want to resist that. I don't want to miss the opportunity to partner with him. I've got maybe 70 years on this earth, this side of the veil. I want to leave a mark. I want to leave a mark for him because what he wants to do on this place is worth so much more than what I would want to do. I won't have the opportunity to do what I can do today on the other side of the veil. This is a unique opportunity. And we can miss life. We can miss this opportunity. I feel God's given us an opportunity to reconfirm our commitment. For other West Wing fans, you won't need me to say, but... Oh. All right. This is Leo. Leo's the chief of staff. He's in charge of all of the president's team. He's just been asking the president, look, what's more important to you, re-election or actually making a difference, pursuing the policies that you think are valuable while you're here? Leo then turned to the team and offers them a chance to be co- commissioned and recommit. So just feel the, the weight of this. You don't have to. I don't want to go to sleep like this. You don't have to. I want to speak.
1: Say it out loud. Say it to me. This is more important than re election. I want to speak now. Say it again. This is more important than re election. I want to speak now. Now we're in business. What's happening? We got our asses kicked in the first quarter, but it's time to get up off the mat. Yes. Say it. This is more important than re election i want to speak now i'm gonna to talk to the staff i'm gonna take them off the leash you have a strategy for all this i have the beginnings of one what is it i'm gonna try that for a little while listen up our ground
0: game isn't working we're gonna put the ball in the air if we're gonna walk into walls i want us running into him full speed what are you saying or you can start by
1: telling the Hill the president's named his nominees to the FEC. I and mean, we're gonna lose some of these battles. And we might even
0: lose the White House. But we're not gonna be threatened by issues. We're gonna put them front and center. We're gonna raise the level of public debate in this country. And let that be our legacy. That sounds all right to you, Josh. I serve at the
1: pleasure of the President of the United States. Yeah?
0: I serve at the pleasure of the President.
1: I serve at the pleasure of President Bartlett. Toby. I serve at the pleasure of the President.
0: Good. Well, let's get in the game. serve at the pleasure of the king this is an invitation it might be for the first time you've said I've never made the decision to make my life about his life I've never made the decision to to say I want him to be boss might be that I'm asking this question and it's the hundredth time you've heard it But just like that team, they'd made that promise long ago that they were going to serve at the pleasure of the president, feels like it's a time to make that choice again, to consider the cost, but to consider the prize. What do you need to adjust? What do you need him to do in you? What is he asking from you? on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at
1: Lifeline UK.